0: Welcome to the Asbury Free Methodist broadcast, where today we will be listening to this week's sermon by Pastor Brent Russell. If you have your Bible, smartphones, or tablets, and you want to follow along on the passage we'll be looking at today, I would invite you to take them and turn to Ephesians chapter 1, verses 15 to 23, the passage that was read, and we're looking at Paul's prayer. It's great to see you you all at church. I love last Sunday. We were outdoors, under the trees. It was really good, but I'm glad we're not there this week, right? Like, it just, it would be a little cool, but uh, everything in its season. Now, while you won't find this Sunday on any ecclesiastical calendar, I always think of this Sunday, the Sunday after Labor Day, as the beginning of the church year. You know, family nights started, teenagers started, small groups are restarting, kids are back in school, and I, I usually like to use this Sunday to remind you of who you are as a church and who we're called to be together, and in some ways I will do that this morning. I wanted to talk a little bit about the vision of Asbury, but what I really want to do is remind you of God's vision for you. See, if we, if we get this right, then the vision for Asbury will fall into place. Last week, we started to a series on Ephesians, and the series will take us to Advent. So let me give you some background of the letter uh, that the Apostle Paul wrote. On Paul's third missionary journey, he, he visited the city of Ephesus. And he actually stayed there for two years. For the first three months, he, he spoke in the synagogue, then he got kicked out of the synagogue, went to the Hall of Tyrannus, which we know nothing about. But uh, there he taught and he discipled people for two years. What's most telling about his discipleship is right about that time, there was a flurry of church planting uh, that happened in the area around Ephesus. Uh, Churches were established in Laodicea, in Colossae, in Heropolis. There were other places that it looks like there were churches that were established because Paul was discipling people and sending them out. So Paul is now in prison in Rome. He writes to Ephesus, to the church he knows, but he's also writing to the churches that will have been established by the people that he's discipled, that he's mentored. And so here's how he starts off this part. He says, "For this reason, ever since I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love of all God's people, I have not stopped giving thanks, remembering you in my prayers." Paul says, "I've heard about your faith. I've heard about how you love God's people, and it causes my heart to be filled with thanksgiving, and." I want you to know I'm, I'm praying for you. Have you ever told somebody that you're praying for them? I do it all the time. But usually I, I tell people that in the context of trouble. When people are grieved or when they're going through relational difficulty or when they're facing sickness or surgery, I'll tell them that I am praying for them and I do. I keep a, a list of, of, of people that I say I'm praying for them, so I remember to pray. And I'm asking God to heal the hurts and, and bring wisdom and asking God to work things out. But Paul's prayer for the church, the churches, goes deeper than that. If I asked you to pray for Asbury, what would you pray? I know often I pray God's blessing and God would help us to do what we are called to do. And those are good prayers. But Paul's prayer for the churches goes deeper than that. Part of our vision for Asbury is that we would be a church of exceptionally well-discipled people. Another part of the vision is that we would be a place where everyone is cared for and showing the love of Jesus. Those are things, good things to pray for and about. We want our church to be that. But Paul already establishes that the people who he is praying for, they have those qualities. Look at it. For this reason, ever since I heard about your faith in the Lord, their faith has been established, and your love for all God's people. They have this, they're, they've been discipled well, They have this love for God's people. They're demonstrating love. He's heard about their faith, their deep love for one another. So what do you pray for a church like that? I see a lot of people around here. You're establishing the faith. You've come to know Jesus, and you've been walking with Jesus, and you've had the sense that Jesus is walking with you. And that is awesome. See a lot of people around here who are demonstrating the love of God to each other. I love how you love each other. I see it all the time. And it's pretty cool. So, how do we pray for each other? How do we pray for Asbury? Paul tells us how he's praying. Verse 17. I keep asking that the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you a spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. Paul is asking our amazing God to give them a spirit of wisdom and revelation so that they may know him better. They've already come to know God through his son Jesus Christ, but Paul's saying, praying for a spirit of wisdom and revelation so that they know him better. That, my friends, is an appropriate prayer to pray for somebody who is young in the faith or somebody who is old in the faith. That is a great prayer for us to pray for each other and each other together. This is the kind of prayer that moves you forward, that moves your friends forward, that moves our church forward towards God, I keep asking that the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, will give you a spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. The word knowledge there is, in the Greek it has the idea of a, a personal knowledge. It's not a second-hand knowledge, the knowledge you might get from a documentary about something. This is knowledge which you have personal experience with. It is knowledge that you get because, well, you personally interacted with the subject. The way you get that kind of personal knowledge is that when God gives you a spirit of wisdom and revelation. See, God's God's other than he's created. And you usually can't sense him through your physical senses. So the only way you'll get to know God is if God reveals himself to you, if God shows himself to you. See, even though the Bible is the word of God, you will only get to know the God of the Bible if he reveals himself to you. So here is the thing about God. God wants you to know him even more than you want to know him. It is his desire, it's his heart, to reveal himself to you. And wisdom is the ability to take what he shows you and to live it out in your life. But Paul's big prayer is that you would know God better. Is that your prayer for yourself? I've noticed this trend in people's faith journey. Often they they come to know Christ, and you've seen these people, right? They come to know Christ, and they are so excited about their life in Christ. He has saved them. He's forgiven them. He's he's, uh, uh, brought them into the family of God, and they're excited about it, and you can tell they, they go to every church meeting, every small group that they can see. They're listening to podcasts. They're just hunger for the Word of God. They're in the Bible, and they're studying, and they're studying, and they're studying. And it's a wonderful thing. And then after a year or two or three, you start to think, oh, I've heard this before. I've heard and I've read that before. And it's not like I don't have stuff to learn, because I know I do, but I, you know, most of the stuff I've got to dig harder to find something new anymore. And you start to see that passion to know God die down a little. Um, They're a little more mature, a little less excitable. That's something we all go through in our spiritual journey, but some people... Well, they'll, they'll try to regain the excitement, and, and so they've got to get into a different area. So some people look at apologetics, you know, proofs for God and, and proofs for, for our faith. Other people get into prophecy and look what's going to happen, look what's going to come. Uh, and there's nothing wrong with that. That may be a, a, a necessary part of the spiritual journey. But there's a deeper knowledge of God that comes on the other, other side of these things. Uh, many people's walks stall out before they get to that part of the journey. They do the Christian things. You know, we come to church and we smile at each other and we serve in our ministries and we do the right things and, and we know how to talk to each other and it's not like we don't know God, like we, we have our devotions. But... There isn't as much of a hunger to know God. 1 John 2 tells us about these different levels of faith. I want you to especially note what it says about the fathers and it would be the mothers of faith as well. 1 John chapter 2. I am writing you, dear children, because your sins have been forgiven on account of his name. I am writing you fathers, because you know him who is from the beginning. I'm writing you young men, because you have overcome the evil one. I'm writing to you dear children, because you know the father. I'm writing you fathers, because you know him who is from the beginning. I'm writing you young men, because you are strong and the word of God lives in you. And you've overcome the evil one. John describes these different stages for the fathers and mothers of faith. It says, they know the one who is from the beginning. See, children says they know God. But the fathers and mothers of the faith, they know the eternal one. They know God. And the only way to get to know God like this, how John is talking about the mothers and fathers of the faith, is to have God give you a spirit of wisdom and revelation. He has to show himself to you. You can't get there on your own. It takes effort, but you can't earn it. See, remember how he talked about first-hand knowledge and not second-hand knowledge, like you might get from a documentary? Stay with me here, people. I don't want to upset, upset you, so I want you to hear me very clearly. In our faith journey, the Bible is like the documentary. It's second-hand knowledge. The Bible is true. It's authoritative. You will see me refer to it again and again and again. But I know a lot of people who know the Bible but don't know God. What happens when you read the Bible is that God needs to give you a spirit of wisdom and revelation. So the words come off the page and you know that God is revealing himself to you of who he is and who he shows himself to be. See, the Bible without the spirit will not get you anyplace, But the Bible with the spirit, oh my, God has a way of revealing himself to you. For the first number of years of my Christian walk, I knew that God loved me. I grew up with the song, Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. But there was a place. I could take you to the room in the Bruce Mines Wesleyan Church where I encountered God, and that knowledge went from my head to my heart, and I knew that I knew that God loved me. It was more than words on a page. It's where God became real, God's love became real to me. When I, kid, when I was a kid, I knew that God loved me. When I matured a little, I knew that God loves me. Something that went from my head to my heart. That's the spirit of wisdom and revelation. When I grew up, I, I knew about grace, I knew that we were saved by by, uh, by faith or by grace through faith, and um, you know I could quote you the definitions of grace. It's God's unmerited favor. Oh, I knew about grace. I'd studied the Bible on grace. I'd even let Bible studies on grace. But I was really a closet legalist. And then I encountered God's spirit. And I saw my own heart because God gave me a spirit of wisdom to see who I was. Uh, I thought I knew God's grace. But now I know God's grace. That's why you'll hear themes of God's grace coming through over and over again in my, in my preaching, even when I'm not talking about the grace of God. The Bible's just words in a page until God shows up, but when God shows up. when you read the Bible in your quiet time, and you read it not just for head knowledge, just uh, put it all together, I'm a big fan of studying. I spent years studying, so I'm a big fan of studying. But the most important thing that you can do is to read the Bible with your heart, so that you're praying about it, where you read the passage and you're saying. God, what does this say about you? What does this say about me? What wisdom do you want to show me in how to live? How do you want to unpack? How do you want to put this together with other things you've known? And would you lead me into all of who you are? I know many of you put your faith in Jesus. I see how many of you demonstrate love to God's people. What's my vision for Asbury? What do I want God to do at Asbury? I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, will give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. So that you may know him better. I'm praying that this year you'll know him better. When we get to this time next year, I pray you can look back and say, yeah, I know God better. Paul goes on, verse 16, verse 18, sorry. I pray, can we get, uh, there we go. I pray that the eyes of our heart may be enlightened in order to, that you may know the hope to which he has called you. The riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people and his incomparably great power for us who believe. That power is the same as the the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at the right hand in the heavenly realms. Paul essentially prays this. I know you love God and you have faith in Christ. I know that you're loving the people around you. I'm praying that they would know the riches of their salvation. That's what he's praying for here that they would know the riches of their salvation. Or to put it another way, he prays that he would know, they would know what's wrapped up in what it means to, to follow Jesus and to be part of the family of God. If you were with us last week, you, you heard what Paul had to say, uh, some of what Paul had to say about our salvation. At uh, the first part of the chapter, chapters uh, chapter one, verses uh, one to, to 14, I remind you, you're holy, you're a saint, You've been blessed with Christ and with every spiritual blessing. You've been chosen before you were born. You've been adopted into the family of God with all his rights and benefits. You have God's favor because of what Jesus did on the cross. You have been lavished with grace. You have been redeemed, brought back from the darkness and from slavery. You've been forgiven for all that you have ever done wrong. You are part of God's plan. You, just by being you and a follower of Jesus, praise the name of the Lord. You have been given the Holy Spirit. You've been guaranteed your inheritance in Christ. That's just some of what God has given to you in Christ. William Rudolph Hurst, um, at one time, was one of the richest men in America. And he loved art. He collected art. He just loved having art. Uh, he invested a lot of his fortune and uh, collecting art and treasures from around the world. One day he was was reading this description of this art piece. He said to himself, I I just have to have this. I, I, I need to have this. And he wanted to acquire it. So he sent his agent out to search for this art and acquire it. And this agent, he looked for months and he looked for months. Looking for this treasure of art that uh, Mr. Hurst had to have. After months of searching, he he, he went back and said, I found it. I, I found the airpiece. Uh, and the airpiece was in Mr. Hurst's own warehouse. He'd been searching frantically for treasure he already had. The Apostle Paul knew that it was, this was our tendency as well. We're clueless when it comes to what we have in Christ. So his prayer for the church and of Ephesus and beyond is this. I pray that the highs of your heart would be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which you're called, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people, and his incomparably great power for us who believe. Where can you view this catalog of treasures? He prays that the eyes of your heart would be enlightened. It's only then that you will know what you have. You, you see, he says to know the hope to which you're called, but this knowing is different than the knowing he talked about before that we, we, we looked at. This knowing is, is knowing about something that you didn't know before. It's, it's something that you're discovering. And Paul's saying, I want you to discover all that you have in your salvation. I want you to discover what you have in Jesus. Now, there are three big categories that he gives. Paul wants you to become aware, first, of the hope to which he's called you. When Paul's writing about hope, he's not writing about, well, I hope that the weather's going to be good for our picnic next next week. That's not it. He's writing and saying, Our hope is in the eternal God who is faithful, who is good, who is strong, who always keeps his promises, who is trustworthy and completely uh, uh, responsible and, and will do what he says he will do. I'm putting my hope in what he said. That's the hope we have. I pray that you would know the hope to which you've been called. And then he goes on to the next category. The riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people. Inheritance is normally think of something that we think of in the future. And it's usually that. However, he says this phrase, in his holy people. The inheritance is already deposited in somewhat. It's, it's kind of like if you were to grow up in the house of a very wealthy dad, and you had a mansion and you could go swimming in the pool, and you would go to the bowling alley in your, in your basement of your house, and you'd go bowling. You could go drive the Bentley. It's not yours, but you had use of it. There's going to be a time when it will be fully yours. Not quite yet. When he talk about glorious inheritance in his holy people, it's kind of like the kingdom of God. It's already, but not yet. You know the kingdom of God where God's rule is supreme. And because of that, there is joy and gladness. There's hope and adventure. There's meaning and there's purpose. There is that sense that uh, things are as they should be. We'll get this in heaven and more. But the kingdom of God starts here. We don't get it all yet. But even now, it's available in some ways to us. Paul prays that they would know the riches of their glorious inheritance. I think many people live in a mansion but really what they're doing is living in a walk-in closet. They haven't gone out exploring yet. Paul's praying that that would change. I'm praying that that will change for us. I'm praying that you too will will walk in the joy of your salvation in spite of the troubles around you. I'm praying that you will walk into the strength of your faith even when you feel weak. I pray that you will live out peace that passes all understanding because of your connection with Jesus. I'm praying that you will experience adventure and wonder and a sense of meaning and purpose that comes with your salvation. Can you imagine a church full of those kind of people? That'd be pretty incredible. That's what Paul's praying for. How do we get it? Oh Lord, would you enlighten our hearts? Could you show us our salvation? I'm so thankful that I'm on my way to heaven, but you seem to indicate there's so, so much more. Would you enlighten my heart to see it? Last category of people, this is the power that is available to us. Is incomparably great power for us who believe. And then he goes on to say, this power is the same power that raised Christ from the dead. That's a lot of power. And he says, it's available. But you'll need your eyes of your heart to be opened so that you can see it. And you can see that it's available for you. It's a new church year. And it's a good thing to pray in the new year. And this is a good thing to pray for asbury i'm thankful for your faith in the lord i'm thankful that you love one another so here's my prayer i'm continually asking god to give you a spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you would know him more and that when you get to this time next year that you'll say i know him better than i did last year i'm praying that the eyes of your heart would be enlightened so so you would know hope, and that hope would be solid. I'm praying that you would not only be looking forward to your glorious inheritance, but you would be living out the kingdom of God now. I'm praying that you would see the power of God that is at work at your behalf, and you would see it clearly and rely on it. When God answers this prayer, your spiritual life, my spiritual life, our church... be an amazing thing why because we know god better and he's showing us what he's all about now i want to give you the opportunity to pray the scripture because it's a good thing to pray scripture the way you pray scripture you you take scripture and you just take a phrase of it and just say lord yeah i agree with that this is what i want you to do and and you can say, Lord, this is what I want you to do in my life, or, or Lord, yeah, would you, would you do that in, in my friend's life, or would you do that in our church life? I'm going to ask you to just don't close your eyes, because you need to read the screen, right? But you're going to pray. Bernie's going to play some music underneath while you're praying. We're just going to take a minute or two, and, uh, and then um, I will close off in prayer. But as Bernie prays, I would invite you uh, to um, So just pray this prayer for yourself and for us. So Lord, today we ask that you would answer these prayers by the power of your name. Amen. Thanks for joining us this week on Asbury Free Methodist Broadcast. Make sure to visit our website at asburyfmperth.com where you can subscribe and never miss a show. If you'd like this broadcast, you might want to check out our Facebook page Asbury Free Methodist Church. Until next week,